glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, yet another Clark Rageous moment about mistreating our military personnel. Shame on the federal government not taking care of our brave men and women. I'll fill you in. And coming up yet later, there is a market share war going on in the hotel business. I want to tell you how you and I are being played as pawns and what you need to know about the new rules of the game of booking a place to sleep. And I want to address something that I have long been very opinionated on And I was reminded by it by two stories I've seen recently about employers doing employee surveys and saying they're anonymous, and then later, well, it wasn't anonymous at all. This happens as well as a customer when you're asked to fill out a survey, and often it will turn out not to be anonymous at all. At places of work, When you're asked to fill out an employee survey and some places push for 100% participation and someone will come to you and say, hey, you haven't turned in your employee survey. How anonymous could that survey be if they know who hasn't turned one in? Think about that. And think about how somebody could decide, well... We have to lay somebody off in the department. And, you know, Jim didn't seem very happy from that survey. Let's give him the boot. And so because of the fact that employers can be dishonest or deceptive or even at a supervisory level based on a number of responses, a supervisor may successfully be able to guess even with an anonymous survey, who filled it out? When you're asked to fill out a survey at a place you work, unless you don't care if you get to keep your job or not, only if you have to fill it out, only say nice things. Do not say anything that could boomerang on you and could be used to harm you at a place of employment where a supervisor, a manager, or who knows who decides to have it in for you because of what you said about them or their department or the operation when you were doing a survey. Now, this sounds like I distrust to a ridiculous degree, and it's only based on experience. What I've seen and heard what's happened with surveys at places of work and you need to be very mindful of this when one is given to you and think through thoroughly do i really want to honestly answer this survey and by the way be very careful trying to settle scores in a survey you never know when that will come back to burn you Sharon's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Sharon. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Sharon. How can I be of service to you? 
Well, I was concerned. I went on a major cruise line about a month ago, and um, I think it was two days before the cruise was supposed to come to an end. Uh, it was a Baltic Sea cruise. We were. Oh, how was it? Well, the cruise was great until the end. Well, let's and talk. We what was your favorite thing. place that you My saw? My favorite place was Copenhagen. Um, beautiful, beautiful city. Uh, I got to see St. Petersburg and places I've never seen before, but it, it was really a beautiful cruise. Well, that's um, the good news. And that was the good news. The um, bad news was our last, what was considered, we thought would be our last leisurely day at sea before we were going to actually have a tour day in Copenhagen. Um, probably about 11 o'clock that morning, I got a message from a group of, it was about 10 of us that all went together, and they said, you need to hurry down. We have just found out that they are going to disembark about 500 of us because they're worried about weather. And our disembarkation was going to be um, outside of Berlin. So basically, it's like you're off the ship in Copenhagen, and you have to take responsibility quickly to find flight arrangements, hotel, whatever, before we get you Wait, off so the So they ship terminated the cruise a day early? Yes, yes. They terminated the cruise. We were supposed to go in that day We that we were told we were going to be getting off the ship the next day, whereas we were supposed to have a full day in Copenhagen, then sleep on the ship, then go on to Berlin or outside of Berlin where we were supposed to disembark, and we had flight reservations to go home from Berlin and hotel reservations. But the problem was they said, Okay, we, here's a room with about four or five computers. Um, you just you just need to figure it out, and we will reimburse you uh, three hundred dollars a piece for all your you know your problems, and uh, give you one day credit on the ship, which wasn't the day that we had to spend um, that the credit was going to be that day we got off, but the day we spent our last leisurely day. There were like 500 people in a small area trying to figure out how to go home. Well, that sounds like what was a great (laughs) experience turned really, really sour. Very, very much so. uh, As I did a form, I actually did a formal complaint, and I said, you know, the, the bottom line is the way it was handled, they never made, they just sent a letter to our um, stateroom. They never made a formal announcement. There were some people, it was four or five in the afternoon before they realized that they were going to be getting off the ship the next day. The group of us that had all come together, we spent that last day frantically trying to figure out how to go home. And um, it was, people were in line for like seven and eight hours in a that's very a, narrow hallway. That's That stinks. So what yep. what do you want? now from the cruise line for having been so careless and not caring at all about you or the other 500 they just how did they pick which 500 well what happened was the the way this happened was we we embarked on the ship in germany but there was there were people that had embarked at copenhagen oh so they were dumping all of you but 500 of you were being dumped at the wrong place Right, right, yes. Okay, so So on on one level, 
if and actually Berlin, you know, you were you were not being dumped in Berlin anyway because Berlin is not near the well, water. Well, no, it's it's called Warrant. Warrant. Let me think. I can't pronounce the place. But uh, if it Wendemer. was if it was dangerous, then you know, if there was bad weather and all that, and let's take them at their word that it was dangerous. Having you not go into danger is preferable than having you sail into danger. And that I agree with, but I went onto the website uh, for the um, port, uh, which is called the, uh, it's Warren Monday Rostock in Germany. And I happened to see, I pulled up, I said, I would like to know which ships came in and out. And our particular ship made it in that day, the day that we were supposed to disembark that ship actually went, and it docked at seven o'clock, and it left at twenty-two hundred. So who knows? So, who knows what all was going on? And you may not ever hear the real story. We might never know that. You're what? Right. What do you and your fellow travelers I, want? Okay, the, the things that we would like is to be totally reimbursed for any change fees. They said three hundred dollars a piece. Uh, for us, it was like four hundred and thirty dollars. Uh, well, no doubt husband, they owe you what it actually cost you. And yes, that I that should be easy. That. I have a question for you and anybody else in your group. Are you aware if anybody in your group has been posting on Cruise Critic? Yes, we have. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. And the mm-hmm. cruise lines all monitor what uh, people are saying on Cruise Critic and on social media. You should stay very active and see if you can uh, find other people who were also displaced like you were and Mm -hmm. all help each other, both putting it out there on social media on Cruise Critic and also staying in touch with each other to find out what people have been able to accomplish with the cruise line is what you should be doing. And, And offering you... A refund of the day you didn't get and not enough money to deal with uh, the rescheduling and change fees and all that is ridiculous and that's why you should stay loud and keep posting and don't deal with customer no service at the cruise line because that's all you're going to get they only respond at cruise lines to outside external public pressure let me hear what you're ultimately able to accomplish ryan is with us on the clark howard show hello ryan hello clark i'm a long-time listener and first-time caller thanks for taking my call well great to have you here and you want to share with me something that is on a credit report from the time the dinosaurs roamed the earth That is correct. Uh, I'm preparing uh, everything for possibly a a mortgage loan next year. So as I've learned from you, I get a free annual credit report every year, and I I downloaded that last week. Something stuck out in that report, and uh, I had a dilemma about what to do. So on my credit report is a credit card that my uh, parents opened in 1976, and I wasn't bored until 1985, so, you know, I was probably added to that credit card once upon a time as an authorized user, you know, teenager, something like that. So my question is, do I get my parents to remove me as an authorized user of that card, or has that card actually been helping my credit over the years? 
it may have helped at one time, but at this point, I mean, here you are at a point that you are um, 33 years old. That's correct. At 33, you've established your own life. You have your own credit. You have your own history. And that being having that card listed may be irrelevant. And as long as your parents are good payers, it may be a little bit to the good and may have at a prior time been really to the good. Well, that's that was what I was looking to understand. You know, it's got a twenty thousand dollar limit. Uh, average monthly spend on this card is about five grand, and it's been paid on time for you know years and years and years. So it definitely is in good standing. Then I would leave said, it. I'm, I would leave it be. Okay. And if, All right. Now, if a mortgage so, lender and the underwriting department said, "Ooh, Ryan, you got too much available credit. We're worried about that." That would be the point at which you would check with your parents, see if you are, in fact, an authorized user. It could also be an error in credit reporting that you're listed. And so okay. that would be the only reason you would want to have it removed is sometimes underwriters at mortgage lenders will say, we don't like how much available credit you have because we're too worried yeah. that in a new home you'll charge up everything. And that Correct. would be why you would would remove yourself. But other than that, leave it alone. Okay, very good. So uh, basically take action if they say that, you know, the, the limits are too large. But do you see my score swinging, uh, you know, drastically if, in fact, I do remove it in the future? Well, it depends. They're, they're utilizing 25% of their available credit. Roughly, yeah. And that's a good ratio. Anything below 30 it really is helpful to you and with the credit you have you want to make sure you're never using more than 30 percent of your available credit if you're using substantially more than that then that credit line your parents have may actually be giving a booster to that portion of your credit report that is 30 percent of your score if your pattern with credit utilization is very good don't worry about it i can't believe it Twice in a month, I'm telling you about absolutely Clark-rageous behavior on the part of the Pentagon not taking care of the brave men and women of the U.S. military. Last, I told you about the problems with corruption or incompetence in the program when military personnel move from base to base. Now I want to tell you about what happens to them when they get to a base. There are problems reportedly around the country involved with extreme substandard housing conditions, including lead poisoning happening to military personnel's children, mold problems that are not being handled, some of the states where there are problems with that, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Texas, Mississippi, North Carolina, and who knows where else. This is absolutely an outrage. When we ask in an all-volunteer military for brave men and women to put their lives on the line for your and my freedom, the least we owe them is the proper respect that their families be in a safe, sanitary environment. And right now, that's not happening. And the problem is we have this weirdo Frankenstein system 
of partially privatized operation of military base housing, how those contracts are let and all the rest, uh, man, you can spot a rat in that. And this is something that needs to have attention drawn to it because when these men and women are willing to fight for you and me, for our freedom and our safety and security, we need to make sure that they are treated right, that the promises made to them are kept, and that the uh, basic circumstances in which their families live be proper and safe and sound for them. We need to fix this now. I'm so glad that you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so that you can keep more of what you make. I want to explain something going on right now that you and I are pawns in, and this is most confusing to people who travel not very frequently. It's something that uh, people who travel a lot and stay in hotels a lot are really aware of, but I want to make sure you're up to date on it. Hotel chains are in a real tug of war with Priceline, Expedia, Hotels.com, Hotwire, any of the hotel booking services because the hotel chains, names on the building, you know, Marriott, Hyatt, Hilton, um, any of the hotel brands, they want people as hotel operators to pay them for being able to use the name and logo and operational assistance. And when people use third-party sites, they become less loyal to the brand. The reason people use third-party sites is because generally they believe, and most of the time they are, getting a cheaper price booking with the third party than booking with the hotel brand's own website or reservations line itself. So there's this fight going on where the owner of an individual property or the manager of an individual property wants to get as much occupancy as they can. And so they are uh, offering bookings through these third-party sites to fill rooms that might have gone empty otherwise. The hotel chains are trying to do everything they can to get them not to want to accept bookings, particularly from Priceline or Hotwire. And so now the hotel chains, one by one, are rolling out price match guarantees. And so here's one, I'm looking at the Hilton one, if you find a lower qualified price for the same accommodation in terms at any point before your reservation is made or up to 24 hours after making your reservation through one of our official Hilton booking channels, we will honor the lower price and take an additional 25% off the room rate for each night of your stay. But unfortunately, Hilton has one asterisk at one part, two asterisks at another, and the reality is that you're never going to be successful doing the price match. It's a marketing thing. And I recommend that what you do when you're booking somewhere, that you try all channels available. 
whether it's through the hotel chain, if you know a specific place you want to stay, through the third-party sites. And I have a guide at Clark.com how to save money booking on Priceline where you don't know the hotel till after you have paid non-refundable. But the point is that if price is what really matters, the odds are you are going to pay less if you go third party. Now, the hotel chains are also doing something else to their um, various levels of frequent frequent flyer, frequent stay customers that are in the hotel loyalty programs. If they book first party, there are going to be a number of additional benefits they're offered. But if they book third party, they're not going to get them. Room upgrades, uh, free cocktails, free breakfast, private lounge access, whatever. Those things get wiped away many times if you book third party. So generally, people who book, who are corporate travelers and are booking through their employer, they don't care if the employer pays more for the room. They're going to want to book direct. But if it's your money and you care, know that booking direct will almost always not save you money like Hilton's promising, but cost you money. Molly's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Molly. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Molly. You got a question for me about booking somebody's private residence. I do. Um, We are taking a family trip to Tucson, Arizona. I've got four family members. Two are flying in from different airports. My husband and I will then meet our adult children there. And we are interested in booking a, um, you know, through one of the big online um, uh, booking sites. We're looking at booking a house. And we found one that we really, really would like to book. But the cancellation fee is the entire price of the rental. There's no cancellations unless the owner of the home rebooks. And I guess... Boy, that's brutal. That's brutal because if your family plans evaporate somehow, you're out how many thousands of dollars? Uh, Over 3,000. Yeah, that that is an uncomfortable level of risk. So that's uh, in the rental trade with airbnb or vrbo or home away that's known as strict cancellation when you just forfeit the money and it varies by property what kind of cancellation you face some give you a period of time up to so much time before arrival before it becomes fully non-refundable others phase in how much money you lose at different stages so far out from the stay and if it's one that the second you book it becomes totally non-refundable i wouldn't do it i in fact in my own life i won't do it well that's the route that we've decided to take they wanted half up front and then the other half 65 days prior but the owner indicated that we would get a full refund minus the 10 percent if the property is rebooked but how would I know that? I you mean, would not. On the honor you would system, not. Isn't and, it? Right. And you wouldn't know that it, I mean, somebody may have booked part of the stay and not the whole thing. So then what do you get? So I, I'm with you. And are you on VRBO or HomeAway or Airbnb? Correct. Where have you been looking? Um, I've been looking on both VRBO and HomeAway. 
The other option that we considered because we did like the property was going to insure my trip and then insure, you know, obviously the, the full cost of the rental. But I really was reluctant to even pay more money on top of that. I understand. I would I would go also to Airbnb. You familiar with Airbnb? Oh yes, yeah. And and their platform you pay through them and every every listing you see they're explicit up front what the policy is on cancellations. And Excellent. you'd be able to see who has a cancellation policy that you would be comfortable with and could live with. Excellent. And so that, that would Thank be an alternative. So and in Tucson, there are so many beautiful resorts that you don't have to feel like you only have one you could stay at. Ah. Uh, well, we're headed there for Brewer's Spring Training. So uh, we're going in the end of February. So we're, we're going to stay down in Tucson and head up to Phoenix for the game. Well, all I can tell you, so you're from Wisconsin? That's correct. All I can tell you is you're going to feel like you're in a desert version of Wisconsin because in February, there are so many people from Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, (laughs) and Wisconsin in uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale, and Tucson that you'd feel like, what's going on here? (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Well, I so appreciate the help. Thank you. And have a great time wherever you end up staying there. And is it Malik? Is that how I say your name? Malek. Malek. Hi. Sorry I mispronounced. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show. Thank you, Mr. Clark. It's such an honor to talk to you, sir. Thank you for all you do just to help the American people. Well, you're kind to say that. Thank you. How can I help you? So I want to get your uh, perspective about uh, tiny homes and is it worth it in the long run to live in a tiny home for a little bit to save so you can build, you know, uh, like your own home and pay for it uh, debt free? Yeah, so the the tiny home movement has lost a lot of steam in the last couple of years you know it was it was really really in a few years ago but people have found it difficult to live in less than 400 square feet Hmm. so so now people uh when they talk about living in a smaller home generally it seems to have settled down to around uh six seven hundred square feet which gives you just a little more room to live without an enormous increase in the cost of construction or any of the other expenses because with a tiny home if you're living in something under 400 square feet you have so many of the same costs as you would in a larger home you've got to run utilities to it which is a big expense you may have permitting costs and the rest now sometimes with a tiny home it will be on wheels so that it avoids some of the expenses you would have otherwise. Where exactly are you, what are you thinking of in your own mind, like how long a period of time and how many square feet are you thinking you could be comfortable in? Um, So I live in Orlando, Florida, and I know they're not very common here. 
and I was thinking maybe like 600. 600 feet? Mm-hmm. Which would not truly qualify as a tiny home. It would be a smaller home, but uh, one thing is you got to think about resale. So you're thinking of doing this from the ground up? Yeah, just build it and... Uh... I know somebody that can build like $30,000. Wow, that's cheap. Yes. So, And you got to check out uh, zoning requirements in the county. In Central Florida, you'd want to build. Will they permit a dwelling of that size? And what other things are they going to require? But if, if I were thinking of building something really affordable, I mm. would also like you to think about uh, potential for resale in 900 square feet which is 50 percent larger than you're thinking about you can with an efficient building design you can build a three-bedroom uh, one or one and a half bath home and then you have something that when it's no longer where you want to live you have something that has uh, much likelier market value to sell to someone else or as an ideal size for a rental property. You wouldn't go with the idea? Is that what you're saying? I would not go as small as, I mean, 600 is okay, but if it were me, I would try to go a little larger. Even if it meant 30,000 becomes uh, 45,000. Would it still qualify as a tiny home, though? No, it would not. It would not fit the definition of a tiny home. But six hundred doesn't really either. Yeah, and it wouldn't be on wheels, right? It would not be on wheels. Are you thinking staying on wheels at six hundred? Thinking about it, yes. All right, so that's a different kind of decision, and uh, you know, I may be wrong on this, but I think that for the long haul. If this is something you want to not just be money you spend on something, but money you invest in something that hopefully will hold and maybe increase value, I would like you to think more permanent and a little larger. It doesn't have to necessarily make it more expensive. You have somebody who can build affordably, you could still make it work even if you're doing a slab-built property. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Carrie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Carrie. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Carrie. So your mom is distressed about something. Tell me. Oh, yeah. Well, she hadn't looked at her bank statements for several months because she had a tough year. She had broken her hip, and she just 
got out of the habit. Oh, I'm sorry. How's how's her uh, physical recovery going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, I'm glad to hear um, that. Yeah, when she looked at her statement, she saw a charge for $161 per month for the last five months. $161? Yes. So somebody's taken $805 of her money or something like that? That's right. Oh. That's right. And this is with the credit union, and they said somebody drew an um, electronic check, and it's made out to Warranty Admin Division. I don't and know what that's supposed to be, but uh, the curious thing is where they come up with her share draft or checking account number at the credit union in the first place. Well, they said it, it's easy. She uses checks all the time. All they need is her account number and her name. That is true. So the credit union keep on doing this. The credit union can stop them from drafting moving forward, and she has the right to dispute the last two drafts. Yes, up to well, sixty they did, days. They did give us three months back, so we were lucky with that. But but unlucky. And that that means that $400 is gone from her life, right? That's right. That's right. Oh. And, you know, this happens every day. It's unusual the amount of money involved. Usually it's a smaller amount that someone's drafting that goes unnoticed. Yeah, this was quite large. And, you know, the bank said it could happen any time. The same people could do it again. We need to change the account number. And that advice from the credit union is all accurate. And uh, even if it had been a a improper post to a credit card, it still would have been limited to that uh, two month window for disputing. And Mm -hmm. so I would recommend if you would help your mom by filing a complaint at FTC.gov. FTC.gov, okay. And the reason it's important is if she got taken, other people may well get taken as well. And if there's ever a civil action taken by the FTC, they need to know who the victims were in order to pay back restitution if any does develop. Okay, I will do that. But gosh, that's terrible to take advantage of her infirmity with the busted hip. And I'm really glad the credit union gave her back half the money at least. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.